Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, and welcome to the Latin American History Podcast, episode 30, Tierra Fermi, part 1. Before starting, I'm sure you've probably seen the news about the volcanic eruption in Guatemala. So far, around 100 people are confirmed to be dead, and around 200 are still missing. I'm going to make a donation to the Guatemalan Red Cross, and I just wanted to highlight how you can do the same if you wanted to. If you visit www.cruzroja.gt slash d-o-n-a-t-i-v-o-s you can find information about how to donate to the Guatemalan Red Cross. Anyway, on with the episode. Last time we looked at Spanish conquests in the Caribbean. This was just one part of their ambitions, however. Almost simultaneously, the mainland was attracting their attention. Over the next two episodes, I will tell the story of the first Spanish conquests of mainland Latin America. It's actually a collection of interrelated stories, and they are all good ones. This was an early modern telenovela, a soap opera of crazy characters falling in and out with each other and risking everything for personal gain. The sheer number of extreme events make it almost unbelievable, so much so that I had to extend it to two episodes. Hopefully I will do it all justice. We've already discussed one half-hearted attempt to colonise what was coming to be known as Tierra Firme, solid ground. Ojeda's disastrous settlement on the Guajira Peninsula, which lasted no more than a few months, in 1508 King Ferdinand decided to have another crack at settling the mainland and started hearing pitches from people who wanted to be given the chance to do it. He'd identified a vast stretch of coastline from the southern border of today's Honduras down to the site of Ojeda's failed colony at La Guajira. 
discovered the Caribbean coast of what is today Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Panama and Colombia. Next to nothing was known about what lay beyond that coastline, and so it was unknown how big this territory would actually be. Two applications stood out, and so unable to decide, Ferdinand decided to split the territory in half. Perhaps he thought that splitting it in half would also make things more manageable and increase the likelihood of successful conquest. The border between the two new governorships would be the Gulf of Oraba, the part of the coastline where South America and Central America meet. Today this is at the western end of Colombia, close to the border with Panama. This would be called New Andalusia, and was given to Alonso de Ojeda. Since his failure to colonise this region the last time round, life had been difficult for Ojeda. He had been taken away from his failed colony as a prisoner, and spent two years in jail on Hispaniola before managing to pay his way out. This left him struggling financially. What he did for the next few years is unclear. He may have remained in Hispaniola, or returned to Spain. But either way, in 1508 he found himself successfully convincing Ferdinand to let him have another go. The other commission was given to a man named Diego de Nicuesa, and his land was named Veragua. If that name sounds familiar, it's because we've mentioned it once before. You might remember we discussed the court battles waged by Columbus's descendants, and Veragua would eventually be awarded to them, although this was a few decades after the events of this episode. Nicuesa was from an extremely rich and well-connected family. He was apparently an arrogant man who spent most of his adult life in the bubble of the royal court in Madrid. That said, he was talented and capable. He was good at riding horses, and played the vihuela, an early version of the guitar. To demonstrate just how well-connected he was, he spent some of his childhood in the house of the king's uncle, and he was even in charge of carving the king's meat for some time. Like Ojeda, Nicuesa had actually made an attempt at colonising the mainland before, but it had not gone well. In 1506, he had aimed to found a settlement on the coast of today's Costa Rica, but had been blown off course and shipwrecked. He ended up wandering northwards, losing half of his men in the process. Nicuesa and Ojeda are said to have known each other, and they may have even been friends. They both travelled to the Caribbean to prepare for their expeditions, and in November 1509 they both set off within a few days of each other. Nicuesa's fleet was much grander than Ojeda's, thanks to his resources. He had a large family fortune behind him, whereas Ojeda had only just financially recovered from his previous adventures. Ojeda set off first, and landed at what would today become the city of Cartagena. Pretty quickly, he aggravated the locals by going on slaving raids. Ojeda apparently still had debts to settle back in Hispaniola, and intended to send the slaves back to address this. Things went well for the Spaniards at first, but when they pursued a group westwards along the coast, they found themselves ambushed and suffered heavy casualties. Among these was Juan de la Cosa. De la Cosa is a man who has been with us from the beginning of these exploration episodes, though I have not mentioned him as much as I should have. He owned the Santa Maria, the ship which Columbus captained when he first reached the Americas. 
Telecosa was himself a navigator on this and Columbus's second voyage. He had also been on Ojeda's first voyage to Colombia, as well as that of Dibastides. Thanks to the knowledge he gained on these trips, he produced the first map of the New World in 1500. As he was more of a navigator and cartographer than an aggressive conquistador and leader, he doesn't get as much attention today as some of the other earlier Spanish explorers. At the time, however, he would have been just as well known, and his death was a big loss. This defeat forced Ojeda to flee back to the ships. The time frame which these events took place over is unclear. It may have been over a few days or a few weeks. As I mentioned before, Nequesa set off a few days after Ojeda, presumably to his section of the Central American coastline. It's unlikely that there would have been any contact between the two, and that Nequesa would have known about Ojeda's plight, but for some reason he appeared in Ojeda's time of need. He may have come down from Veragua, or if the events took place over a shorter time frame, he may have followed Ojeda down to Colombia straight from Hispaniola, with the intention of moving on to Veragua afterwards. Whichever the case, he arrived just in the nick of time, and with his help they were able to take revenge on the locals. Their revenge was terrible, and whole villages were burned to the ground. Most of the inhabitants were killed, and the rest were sent back as slaves. Ojeda would not only pay off his debts, but he would make some money on the top. Again, the details are scarce here, and in the end it would not matter much. But despite fighting together, Ojedo and Nequesa are said to have fallen out at this point. Nequesa continued onwards to Veragua, and Ojeda set about building a settlement. He named it San Sebastian, and like his last one, it was poorly thought out. He quickly ran out of supplies, and of course, having shown their hostility, the Spaniards had to deal with constant raids from the indigenous people. That ever-present scourge of Spanish New World settlement, disease, also started to appear. Once again, however, salvation of a sort arrived, this time from an unlikely source. A man named Bernardino de Talavera sailed past and provided them with a new source of food and water. Talavera was a Spaniard who came to the Americas on Columbus's second voyage. At this point, however, he was not working for the crown. Developing a taste for rum, he had built up a sizable pile of debts and was unable to pay them. He, along with 70 other fugitives, stole a ship and became the Caribbean's first recorded pirate. You don't have to be a scholar of Latin American history to know that the precedent will take off in a big way. Talavera agreed to take Ojeda and half his men back to Hispaniola so that they could pick up more men and supplies. They left behind a small garrison and instructed them to find a way back to Hispaniola if nobody returned within 50 days. The man he left in charge of this group was Francisco Pizarro. You may well have heard of him. When Columbus had passed the coast of what he called Veragua, he had found the locals to be in possession of a modest amount of gold, and of course to make his failures seem less extreme, he had reported back to the palace that the place was rich with it. Nicuesa then had set off intending to find this exact part of the territory awarded to him, so that he could make it his base. He stopped not long after passing over from Ojeda's territory, and split his troops in two. 
The larger group would stay there, while he would lead the others in search of Aragua and its gold. He was gone for two whole months, and he was only discovered when the main group went searching for him. He had with him a few men who had accompanied Columbus, and they were supposed to lead him to this El Dorado. As they struggled to find anything they recognised, Nicuesa grew increasingly angry with them. Eventually, the search party found one of the men who said that Nicuesa had sailed off up a river alone in a fit of rage. After coming across another of Nicuesa's party, this one had deserted the increasingly harebrained adventure, they were able to get an accurate idea of where he might be, and eventually they caught up with him. They founded a colony at that spot, and named it Nombre de Dios. Here they decided to establish themselves. They clearly needed a firm base before going out again in search of the fabled gold. So far, neither Ojeda or Nicuesa were doing too well, and if King Ferdinand could have seen all of this, he may well have regretted his choices. Luckily for him, however, a third character was about to enter the story, one who would come completely out of left field, and who would ensure that the colonisation of Tierra Ferme would become a reality. Before he had even left Hispaniola, Ojeda had made arrangements for a deputy to come out to his new colony. The deputy had provided financial support, and in return he would be the mayor of the settlement founded in Colombia. His name was Martín Fernández de Enciso, but he is not the man I am talking about. Now that man was Vasco Núñez de Balboa. We have met some pretty gutsy men working for the Spaniards already, but Balboa might just be the most daring we've encountered so far. Balboa was born into the nobility, his family having lands in northern Spain, and he spent some time in Andalusia while young. In 1501 he had taken part in De Bastidas's expedition along the South American coastline, and a few years later he settled in the colony of Hispaniola. He was a man of means, and so quickly acquired land and animals to raise on it. We don't have any specific mention of it, but he probably had Tainos to work on his ranch as well. Despite these advantages, and unlike some of the other characters we have met, Balboa was unable to make a success of his property, and ended up in debt. Quite how that's possible with cheap land, free labour, and a market for your goods is a bit mysterious to me, but then... I've never tried to do it, so maybe I shouldn't judge. I think part of the reason I find it hard to understand how he failed is that Balboa will soon prove himself to be a very capable man. Knowing that he would be unable to pay off his debts, Balboa decided to take a risk. He would leave his farm, the colony and his creditors behind, and set off on an adventure. Having no money to do this alone, however, he would have to piggyback on someone else's. He learnt that Enciso was about to set sail for this new colony, which Ojeda was in the process of creating, and he came to the conclusion that this was just the adventure-slash-escape route he needed. The story goes, and this seems to be the generally accepted version, even though it's quite dramatic, he hid himself inside a wooden barrel, along with his dog, to ensure that he made it onto the ship. At some point in the journey down to Colombia, he was discovered and then Ciso considered leaving him on the nearest deserted island. One of Balboa's gifts, however, was a silver tongue, and he managed to convince Enciso of his value by pointing out that he knew the area, thanks to his time on Debastidas' voyage. 
As we know, Ojeda had already left, and Pizarro was getting ready to leave as well, believing that no help was coming. And Caesar arrived just in time, but they all agreed that San Sebastian would have to be abandoned. The natives were too hostile, and it was not like there was much there to abandon. It was around this time that Balboa's ambition started to become apparent. He had already somehow managed to turn himself from stowaway to respected member of the crew, but it appears that he was thinking bigger. It was agreed that a new settlement would be founded further west along the coastline. This was important for a couple of reasons. Firstly, it seems that Balboa influenced this decision. He had managed to manoeuvre himself into a position where he had a say in major decisions. Secondly, this new settlement, named Santa Maria, was over the border drawn up by King Ferdinand, and therefore inside Nicuesa's territory. It's clear from what happens next that Balboa had a plan in mind. He wanted to take control of Enciso's expedition, and by extension, or Hedda's territory. Thanks to a combination of smooth talking and luck, he basically managed it. After a victory over the natives in the region, Darien, by the way, on today's border between Colombia and Panama, they founded a settlement. And Caesar was growing unpopular with the colonists, and Balboa read the situation beautifully. Using some legal trickery based around the fact that they were outside of Ojeda's allotted territory, he managed to get and Caesar removed as mayor. He, of course, then took over the role, although power was officially shared with another man. Word eventually got to Nequesa that his territory was being encroached upon, and needless to say, he was not happy about it. He was also most likely not too happy about his own current situation. His settlement at Nombre de Dios was not doing well. He was losing men to hunger and disease, as well as attacks from the locals. In truth, the whole thing was extremely close to failure. It was so bad that the man who brought him news of Balboa's new settlement probably saved the expedition with the supplies he brought with him. Nicuesa now had both push and pull factors pointing him in the degree of Santa Maria. Pulling him there was the need to challenge Balboa for settling in his land. Pushing him there was the need to get out of the mess which Nombre de Dios had become. If he went down there and took possession of Santa Maria, as was legally his right, he would not only get rid of the interlopers, he would also have a new settlement to replace his failed one. Now when I said that Balboa was ambitious, and that he had a plan, perhaps you thought I was referring to him replacing Enciso, and de facto becoming the leader of the Ojedo expedition in that man's absence. That was only half of it. Balboa's ability to inspire loyalty was great enough that when Nequesa arrived to take what was legally his, the colonists refused him entry. There was no negotiating, no scheming to keep Balboa in charge, just a blunt refusal to even listen to anything that Nequesa had to say. Balboa is the mayor of this town, and you can't come in. Having lost so many of his men at Nombre de Dios, Nequesa was in no position to protest. He would have to sail back to Hispaniola, and perhaps even Spain, to appeal to the rule of law. King Ferdinand and his representatives would enforce his legal rights to the territory and remove the upstart. Except, that never happened, as once he left Santa Maria, Nicuesa was never seen again.
His ship must have sunk somewhere in the Caribbean, and there were no survivors to explain what happened. So one of Balboa's enormous gambles had paid off, and although he wouldn't have known it, he wouldn't have to work out what to do when Nequesa returned, as he surely would have done. That just left Ojeda, who would also surely return one day to find out that he had ousted Enciso, caused friction with Nequesa by invading his territory, and established himself the de facto ruler of the whole of Tierra Fermi. Well, again, Balboa's gambling would pay off. Ojeda was only doing slightly better than Nequesa, and Nequesa had just died. Ojeda's new friend, the pirate, had done what pirates tend to do and betrayed him. Rather than going back to Hispaniola, where he'd faced punishment for running off and becoming a pirate, the Talavera had taken Ojeda and his men prisoner. They were then hit by a hurricane, which luckily fixed the being taken prisoner problem, but unluckily shipwrecked them on the island of Cuba. This happened at almost exactly the same time that De Cuella and Narvaez were beginning their conquest of the island. This project was in its earliest stages, however, and would start on the eastern tip of the island. Ojeda was washed up around halfway along, about 700 kilometres away. De Talavera had also survived, and so the two were forced to work together again as they made the trek across the island through unknown territory. Eventually, they ran into Narvaez, who rescued Ojeda, imprisoned De Talavera, and took them all to Jamaica. All this had taken quite a bit of time, and once he arrived in Jamaica, he learned that Enciso had been ousted by Balboa. It was all too much for him, and he made no attempt to reclaim the colony which was rightfully his. He renounced his title as governor and withdrew to a monastery in Hispaniola. He wasn't there long, as he died a few years later in 1515. At the time of his death, he was sick and desperately poor. Poor Ojeda. He was one of the earliest conquistadors, and showed great bravery and initiative by setting off into the unknown and trying to set up the first colonies on the mainland. Being a conquistador really was a lottery. You risked your life and everything you owned on your adventures. Sometimes it paid off unimaginably well, but sometimes it really didn't. Ojeda appears to have had the skills, strength of personality and determination needed to be a conquistador, but it just never worked out for him. I think part of the reason for this was his poor choice in locations for his settlements. Being a conquistador certainly worked out for Balboa, on the other hand. Two men had set off to Tierra Fermi, with royal backing and the exclusive rights to colonise new lands. Both had failed and were now dead. When they were setting out, Balboa was an indebted farmer who resorted to hiding in a barrel to escape his problems. Now he was the only Spaniard in Tierra Fermi with control of a colony. He had come from nowhere and won. Next time, we'll deal with the second part of the initial conquest of Tierra Fermi. Balboa will embark on new adventures, but as the Spaniards look to tighten their grip on these new territories, he will also encounter new rivals. Until then, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Latin American History Podcast, written and recorded by Max Sargent. For more information, visit the website 
www.maxargent.com slash the history of Latin America. And that's spelt M-A-X-S-E-R-J-E-A-N-T. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to get in contact at historyoflatinamericapodcast at gmail.com. You can also find the Facebook page by searching for the Latin American History Podcast. The Twitter handle is at HistoryLatinAM. And if you've liked the show, you can help out by leaving a review on iTunes. Alternatively, if you visit the website, you'll see that each episode is accompanied by relevant photos. Most of these are my own, taken during my time in Latin America. All these photos and more are available to purchase as prints at my Etsy shop. You can find this at www.etsy.com slash photo. That's spelt www.etsy.com slash M-A-X-S-E-R-J-E-A-N-T photo. Thanks for listening. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.